Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 247. And it is titled, The Stages of Masculine and Feminine Development, Where Are You? Okay, what am I talking about here? All right, well, this the idea for this show actually comes from uh, an interaction I had with somebody uh, on social media. So it's another teacher in the space, and somebody I don't know personally, but somebody that I have been connected with via social media for a few years, and I have watched her over the years, uh, you know, the stuff that she puts out on social media. And having watched that for a number of, of years now, I always put her kind of in the angry young woman category, if I'm totally honest. And I would just watch her and think, wow, she's so beautiful, she's intelligent, she's got so much to offer, but she hasn't quite figured it out yet. And she's still in that place where she's angry at men and possibly even life. <laughs> so I saw her post something recently where she was talking about uh, the, a way that she was showing up in her relationship. And I thought, oh, wow. That's amazing because that means she's finally figured out kind of an important part of what it really means to be in a relationship and how you really show up in a relationship. And I was actually genuinely happy for her. So I just commented on her post saying, uh, hey, that's wonderful. Like you're you're really figuring it out. And she got a little triggered by that (laughs) and got defensive and wanted to try to explain to me what she really meant and how much she didn't care about my my thoughts on it and all of that. And and you know, that aside, it doesn't really matter. It's social media. Who cares? Social media is such a joke anyway. Uh, you really shouldn't waste much time there or or care what anybody thinks, you know, about it. But What it got me thinking about were the stages that we go through as it pertains to how we show up in our relationships. And this is really, I think it's super important. Uh, So I'm going to talk about, and so part of this comes from my own experience and the stages I've gone through in my development, uh, but also working with clients and seeing where they're at. Now, I don't really get to work with people long enough generally to see them move from one stage to another, but I've done enough coaching work to see what stage somebody is in, right? And that can really help me when I'm trying to figure out how do I help this person? How do I help them be a better husband, be a better wife, be a better boyfriend, girlfriend, show up powerfully in the relationship in the bedroom, be a better father or mother? Like, how do I help them do that stuff? It's important to know where they're at, because if I try to give them something that is, you know, a stage way above where they're at, it's probably not going to work. Now, that does not mean that I have perfect, you know, judgment and I know exactly where everyone's at. It's just I get a feel for where I believe they're at. And then I start asking more questions and then I start guiding them in directions. And sometimes they surprise me and sometimes they don't. So... We're going to talk about all of that, so, and, and, and bef- to start, we're going to do that 
by diving into a little bit of psychology. And we're going to talk a little bit about Eric Erickson's theory of psychological development, or sorry, psychosocial development, and Dr. Robert Keegan's five stages of adult development. And then I'm going to compare those to the stages that I've created that I thought of before I even uh, put together this episode with Erickson's work and Keegan's work. And I'm going to show you how they relate together. So it's going to make more sense because if I just told you my idea, like here's the wacky names I gave them and here's what I think about it, um, you're probably going to be rolling your eyes going, yeah, whatever, you know, this guy's just making up stuff and I don't believe that because I'm really way more advanced or whatever it is that goes through your mind. So I think it's helpful to show you what do the experts say about it? And then what is my experience as a coach and, and as a man who's just a hair under half a century old? <laughs> um, so I think it's going to be a really uh, interesting episode. I will do my best not to bore you with the psychology and make it really fun. And I'll explain to you after the uh, commercial ad here in the beginning uh, why I think this is really important for you to understand. Okay, first though, here we go. Do you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed? Then check out Power and Mastery. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections last longer or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. Again, as I say every week, this is the men's sexual mastery course that Selena and I created. It is absolutely life-changing for people. Uh, it's taken me a long time to really be able to like admit that and say that. Like, I've always said, yeah, it's great. You should take it. But you know, the feedback I've been, get, been getting these days about how it's really been transforming people, like I can honestly say it is life-changing at this point. Um, so check it out, powerandmastery.com. Okay. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about uh, some psychological stages of development. And I want to talk specifically about Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development and Dr. Robert Keegan's five stages of adult development. I'm going to do a little bit more reading in the beginning here than I normally would. Normally, I'm just, you know, in the flow speaking to you. I have maybe a bulleted list in front of me or something. I'm going to read a few things today, though, because it is stated so well, they do a better job of stating it than I would be able to. It's really concise, and it'll really help you understand what it is that I am talking about. So first, I want to read just a little uh, excerpt from Psychology Today. And this is somewhat based around Dr. Robert Keegan stuff. So Dr. Robert Keegan, a Harvard psychologist, has been the preeminent researcher in this field. His thesis holds that develop it, developing as an adult is not about learning new things or adding things to the container of the mind. It is about personal transformation, changing the manner in which we know and view the world. Instead of changing the contents of the mind, it's akin to changing the actual container. The transformation is metaphorically a Copernican shift, realizing that the earth is, or you are, not at the center of our solar system, but the sun is at the center. When we realize this, nothing really changes, but rather our entire conception and perception of the world transforms. Only through transformation can we truly move from one stage of human development to a higher stage. Most of the time, we are in transition between stages and we behave a bit differently with different people in our lives. The goal is to know where we are, 
what behavior looks like at that stage, where it comes from, and how it is serving us and others. Basically, the impact of it. When we know those elements and we have motivation, clarity, and focus, we can deliberately work to change ourselves at the belief, thought, and feeling levels. Whoa. Boom. Right? Hold on. Yes. We need a truth bomb for that one. So why is all this stuff that I'm going to be talking about today important? It's summed up in that last little paragraph right there, which is the goal is to know where we are, what behavior looks like at that stage, where it comes from, and how it is serving us and others. And the idea is to be able to deliberately work to change ourselves at the belief, thought, and feeling level. So th that's what this is all about. This is why like, the title says at the end, where are you? And as we often say on this show, because we ask a lot of questions and we ask you to really look at yourself, be really honest. Be really honest about where you think you are as we talk about these developmental stages. If you can't be honest with yourself, obviously you're not going to be able to be honest with anybody else either, but you're also not really going to be able to make real substantive change if you can't admit where you're at. And it doesn't really matter where you're at. You know, people say, oh, I don't want to be at that stage. That's like an early stage. It doesn't matter. Just figure out where you are and then take action to move to the next step. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development. So Eric Erickson was an ego psychologist who developed one of the most popular and influential theories of development. While his theory was impacted by psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud's work, Erickson's theory centered on psychosocial development rather than psychosexual development. We won't go into the whole Freud penis envy thing. Not relevant right now in this moment. We want to talk about Erickson's stages of psychosocial development. So he's got eight stages. I'll just read them really quickly because uh, we're only going to talk really about three of them. Uh, we're going to skip all the rest. Uh, stage one is trust versus mistrust, which is infancy uh, from birth to about 18 months. Stage two, autonomy versus shame and doubt. And that's toddler years through 18 months. Stage three Initiative versus guilt, that's preschool years from three to five. Stage four, industry versus inferiority. Middle school years from six to 11. Stage five, identity versus confusion. Teen years from 12 to 18. Stage six, intimacy versus isolation. Young adult years from 18 to 40. Stage seven, uh, generativity versus stagnation. That's middle age from 40 to 65. And stage eight, integrity versus despair. And that's older adulthood from 65 to death. So having read those, you can understand why we're only going to talk about actually really two of them. We're mostly going to be talking about stages six and seven, because that's the 18 to 65, which is sort of your prime relationship and sex years. So not, not to mean that you can't have relationships before that or after that or sex before that or after that, but that's kind of the main time when you are learning, developing, and moving from one stage to another. Now, the words that he uses for these stages, you know, like uh, intimacy versus isolation or generativity versus stagnation, 
you have to go read his research. Like, don't, you know, if you read one like industry versus inferiority, oh, don't get all caught up in ah, inferiority. Like, he had his own definitions for these words. So to understand what he was trying to say, you need to go back and, and read what did he mean by that word. That is really not relevant so much to um, this episode because I'm just going to give you a really short, quick uh, definition when it comes to the stages uh, in just a moment here as what he is generally means about that stage. It's like a summary of that stage. So we're going to primarily be talking about stages six and seven, but I'll cover six, seven, and eight just so you can see what he thinks is, you know, stage eight. Um, stage six, the major conflict at this stage of life centers on forming intimate, loving relationships with other people. Success at this stage leads to fulfilling relationships. Struggling at this stage, on the other hand, can result in feelings of loneliness and isolation. So you can see why this one would be relevant to what we're talking about. Like this is where you start to figure out how do I have intimate relationships with people? Super important. Stage seven, during this stage, middle-aged adults strive to create or nurture things that will outlast them, often by parenting children, fostering positive changes that benefit others, contributing to society, and doing things to promote future generations are important needs of the generativity versus stagnation stage. So this doesn't actually talk about relationships, but I am going to show you in my stages where I think this fits in, uh, because really what it's talking about here is uh, the strive to create or nurture things. And we'll talk about when we get into, uh, Dr. Robert Keegan's stages in a moment about, you know, the difference between worrying, uh, or putting most of your time and energy in trying to get your own needs met versus helping somebody else meet their needs. And, and that's where kind of stage seven comes in. And then his, his stage eight, which isn't all that relevant here, either integrity versus despair, involves a, a retrospective look back at life and either feeling satisfied that life was well lived or regretting choices and missed opportunities. So that, that's kind of interesting. Not, we're not so much going to be focusing on that. We're going to spend a little bit more time with six and seven as we relate them to the stages that I see when I work with people. Okay. And we'll just quickly go over uh, Dr. Robert Keegan's stages, and then we will leave the boring psychology stuff, and we'll start talking about what do I see with people, where they're at, how we help them get out of that, and, and all of that stuff. Personally, I don't think this is boring, but some of you might, so I don't want to spend a ton of time going into the deeper psychology stuff of it. Um, so there's five stages. The first stage we don't talk about because it's more related to childhood, so we just skip right over that. We'll go straight to stage two, which he calls the imperial mind. This stage is about getting your own needs met as opposed to a shared internal experience with others. The fear is that your own needs will not be met. Additionally, at this stage, as a teen or young adult, you follow the rules not because of the goodness of the rule, but because doing so will benefit you. So if we kind of translate this to sex, love, and relationship, when you're in stage two in the imperial mind, let's say you're a man. What are you thinking about? How do I get laid? How do I get laid? Right? How do I get the sex that I'm looking for? How do I have the orgasms and the ejaculations I'm looking for? And even if that means I hurt a few people along the way, intentionally or unintentionally, you know, I'm getting my needs met. 
And then, you know, let's say this is a stage where uh, people will say, well, I'm being monogamous because that's the only way she'll have sex with me, right? They're not because they see value in a monogamous relationship, but because that's what she wants and that's the only way she'll have sex with me kind of thing. So that's, that's kind of what we're talking about with the imperial mind stage. So stage three, the socialized mind. Most important thing in stage three, oh, sorry, the most important things in stage two are our personal needs and interests. In stage three, the most important things are the ideas, norms, and beliefs of people and systems around us. For example, our family, society, our culture, and ideology. We begin to function based more on how others experience us. For example, we take external, we take an external view of ourselves. We might tell ourselves, they'll think I look stupid or might even internalize that and think that we are actually stupid. So we tend to arrive at our uh, beliefs and morals from external sources. Those could be religion, work, culture, friends. Additionally, at this stage, we give a great deal of responsibility to other people in terms of how they see us so that we spend most of our time trying to avoid looking bad or hurting other people's feelings. We tend to look for validation about our own self-worth from outside of ourselves. Whoo, okay. So this is where we do things like, well, uh, we should get married because that's the normal thing to do. That's what society says we're supposed to do, right? Uh, Or, you know, uh, I guess we should move in together because, you know, we've been together for X number of years and that's what society says you should do. You know, we've been dating long enough. We should do this, right? You're not making the decisions because, wow, this person is amazing and I want to be with them as much as I possibly can. And living together would be an amazing way to be in this amazing container 24-7, right? Wow, uh, you know, let's get married because we want, we literally want to spend the rest of our lives together and co-create something together, right? That's not, that's not this stage, <laughs> right? It's just not. This is where you're doing things because this is what you're supposed to do. And you see a lot of people there. All right, stage four, the self-authoring mind. According to Keegan, about 35% of adults are in this stage of development. In stage four, we put the priority on defining who we are, and we move away from being defined by other people, our relationships, or the environment. We believe that we are an individual with thoughts, beliefs, and feelings, and that we are independent from the expectations of our culture. In this stage, we are able to differentiate the opinions of others from our own, and we develop what Keegan calls our seat of judgment. Uh, This is the person I am, and this is what I stand for. In this stage, we develop an internal sense of direction and capacity to develop and follow our own charted course. So there's a little bit more to that, but you get the idea, right? This is where you start stepping outside of, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'll propose to her because I'm supposed to. I'll do this for her because I'm supposed to, right? Or, Or, yeah, I'll, you know, I speak obviously mostly from the male point of view because I am a male, but we could flip that around too and, and women do a lot of things because they're supposed to as well, right? So that's, that's this uh, stage four. And then stage five, apparently only 1% of adults uh, from the research studies are operating at stage five. And stage five, your sense of self is not tethered to specific identities or roles. Rather, it is regularly created through the exploration of your own identity, 
It is cultivated through interaction with others. In this sense, the self is ever evolving in a constant state of change. Whoa, that's a hard one. Like, when you try to talk to people about this one, they can't even grasp the concept most of the time. They, they will say that they do until you explore it a little further and a little deeper. But it's just, it's so hard for people to understand. Most people can get up to number four, even if they're not in number four, they kind of understand it. Getting to number five, they're kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, what? <laughs> so... Uh, like one of the things it says here, in this stage, we not only question authority, but we question ourselves and we recognize the complexities of life. So that is really interesting and really important. So we've laid the groundwork now for what I'm going to talk about when I start talking about what I call my adaptation of the stages. Now, mind you, I wrote my stages uh, before I researched any of this and started figuring out how they fit together. So basically what I did was, based on that interaction I had on social media, you know, I, was, I tried to explain to her that I saw her moving from a stage to another. I didn't even really tell her what the stages were, and I didn't say one was good or bad. I just basically said, like, yeah, this is awesome because I see you maturing into a new stage. Like, yay, happy for you, right? Um <laughs> And so when I sat down to write this, I basically just said, like, what, what is it that I see? As I work with different people, how do I see them, like, where they're at, where they've been, and where they want to go? And I just wrote it down. And then I, I worked backwards from there. I said, okay, this is what I see. Well, what does psychology say about that? What, what do other supposed experts in the field think about it? And, and, and I just way off base here? Or uh, are my observations in line with what the current research says? So then I went back and researched it, came up with all that stuff I just shared with you, and then some, but you know, there's only so much that, that we can cover uh, in one show. And then I, I compared it to, I went back to my, my uh, stages and I went, huh, wow, they really line up pretty well. So we're, we're going to cover that. But before we do, uh, time for a short break for the second sponsor. Are you in a couple? Are your relationship and sex life where you want them to be? Are there changes you would like to make but just don't know how? Maybe you think there is nothing that can be done. I challenge you to make this year the year that changes. If you are not 100% happy with where your relationship or sex life is, then get help today and change your life. Go to kevinandceline.com forward slash sex-coaching-couples and schedule a strategy call with me today so we can map out a strategy to get you where you want to be so you can have it all your way. Again, go to kevinandceline.com forward slash sex-coaching-couples. Remember, I know the link is long. It's in the description. Just go there, find it, click on it, and book your strategy call today. Okay, so let's go back and talk about the stages I see people go through. Now, I'm going to start with the women because I think that segment's going to be a little bit shorter. Um, I'll tell you what I, what I observe as I work with people um, and observe, you know, friends and, and relatives and people I know. But 
having not been a woman in this lifetime, maybe in a previous lifetime, I don't know. Um, I can't speak personally about these. So when I get into the the men's one, I can talk about not only what I observe, but also what I've experienced. And so that's why I'm going to start with the women. I'm not uh, singling you out, women, uh, at all. I'm just starting because I think it's going to be a little bit shorter conversation. Okay, so number one, and uh, I just kind of made these titles up myself, but number one is the I don't need a man stage. (laughs) <laughs> so this is the, uh, I don't need a man. This is the badass boss, babe. I can do it all on my own and I don't need no man or the, you know, the sort of angry feminist stage. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. That's going to piss a lot of people off, but sorry, it's kind of true. So we just have to say it. So this is, this is that stage where it's just like, they're not recognizing the value that being in relationship can really bring to their lives. And maybe it's because they have been hurt, mistreated, had bad relationships, whatever. But they get in that place where they're like, I don't need any of this. I'm my own thing. It's all about me, right? And it's about getting my needs met. Wow, what? Where did we hear that before? Something about getting my needs met. Oh, right. That was the imperial mind. So if we go back up to the imperial mind, the stage is about getting your own needs met. Additionally, in this stage, uh, it says as a young adult, you don't follow rules because of the goodness, uh, but because they'll benefit you. So this is more akin to sort of that basic imperial mind thing where it's really about you. It's like, I don't need somebody to take care of me. I don't want somebody to take care of me. I'm a badass. I'm a this, I'm a that, whatever. So that then takes us into the next stage, which is the, I don't need a man, but I want one. So they're they're still sort of like, hey, I don't need this. I've still got my own business. I'm still capable of earning my own income. You know, I don't really need a man for anything. I can completely self-source and satisfy all my own needs on my own. But, but I kind of want one. And this is, so this is the stage where, where you see when people get into, into a relationship, they're like, everything needs to be 50-50, right? So I don't need you and you don't need me, but we're going to be in a relationship and we're going to split everything 50-50. So where have we heard that before? Let's go back to the socialized mind. And this is where uh, the most important things are the ideas, norms, and beliefs of people and systems around us. For example, our family, society, culture, and ideology. So now you're thinking, well, wait a minute, that doesn't really sound like what you just said. But it is in a sense of like the sort of social norms today about what it means to be in relationship, right? And this will get more clear as I talk through it a little bit more. But this idea about, you know, here we're we're coming in, everything's equal, 50-50, we split everything, we, you know, all the chores are done 50-50, like this, this is that sort of 
I, cultural, socialized idea of what a relationship is supposed to be. Well, after that, we have the, I need a man, but not for financial support. So this is where somebody finally realizes that, you know what? I kind of, I, I, I do need a masculine presence in my life. And so this is actually really a huge, huge step for a lot of women to make. Because again, today in our world, it's all about like, we are destroying the gender roles and we're saying that these things aren't necessary. Uh, they don't need to exist. In fact, they're outdated and they're harming us. So we need to get rid of them and put everybody on an equal playing field. And so that's where a lot of people are starting. And, and men the same way. When we get to men, trust me, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll give the men some shit too. But this is, this is where a lot of people are at today. And so you'll see that in the I don't need a man stage. You'll see that in the I don't need one, but I kind of want one. But everything is like level playing field. So by the time you get to this next stage, you start to realize that, you know, maybe this masculine and feminine thing isn't such an old, outdated, archaic thing that no longer has any value or relevancy in today's modern society. Maybe actually it feels good to have a strong man in my life who is supporting me and allowing me to let go of some of the masculine roles in life and embrace uh, my femininity more, right? So that's, that's where a woman is at when she starts getting into that. I don't need him for financial support. I can make my own money. I can do that. But I realize that... I want one, that, that there's value in that, that, that dynamic is important to my happiness in life. So that, where have we heard that before? Well, that's kind of more in the self-authoring mind, right? And that's where uh, we put priority in defining who we are and we move away from being defined by other people, right? So now we're letting go of that societal structure that says, oh, you know, Masculine and feminine dynamics don't mean anything, and everybody's on a level playing field. We get rid of all that, and we start forming our own beliefs about, hey, you know, I realized that when I was in a relationship with a strong man, that there were parts of that that I really liked, that really worked for me. And maybe, just maybe, I didn't see it or value it at the time, and now I do. So that... I. Personally, I think that is a huge, huge shift. And then we get into the last stage for the women, which is the, I want a man, need a man, and want to take care of my man. So now it's like, okay, remember in, in so there's, there's four of these stages that I've created for women. So in, in stage number one, you don't need a man. So now here we are in four, it's like, yeah, I need a man. Like you realize that you need a strong masculine presence in your life. And then step two was, well, I don't need him, but I want one. But here we are in step four, and it's like, okay, I realize I need one, and I want one. And then the thing that kind of makes this step a little different than the previous ones is 
the, the uh, I want to take care of him. So this is where the woman realizes like, okay, I do need a man in my life. Like that's important. And I do want one in my life. And when he shows up in my life, I want to support him by being the feminine pole of that relationship. So this is where a woman really starts to step into and embrace sort of the feminine role and what that means to her rather than what society says that means, right? Because that's one of those earlier stages of being defined by uh, other systems of belief. So in this stage, it's more about like, oh, wow, I realize that I need a man, I want a man, and uh, there's value in me supporting him as the feminine in this relationship. So those are kind of the, the sort of general stages that I see women going through. And so, you know, if I'm coaching a woman or a couple and, you know, I'm speaking with her and trying to get a feel for where she's at, you know, if a woman shows up, like let's say a couple comes in and, you know, she's in the uh, uh, second phase, the I don't need a man, but I want one and everything needs to be 50-50. And they're telling me that they don't have any, the chemistry in the relationship is gone and we don't have that spark anymore. And I'm, I'm not really attracted to him anymore. And we don't really have sex anymore. And I was like, yeah, there's no polarity. Why is there no polarity? Because you're stuck in the, you know, I don't need one, but I want one, but everything has to be, you know, uh, on the same level and 50-50 and all that. And that's, that's where you basically have neutralized the polarity in your relationship. So somebody like that comes in, we need to start talking about, okay, how can we encourage you to move to stages more where you don't need everything to be 50-50. Not everything's got to be a, I do this, you do that, tit for tat kind of thing. And you can start relaxing more into your feminine and allowing him to take on his role. Assuming, of course, that he's stepping up and taking on his role, because that's a whole other thing that we're going to talk about when we get to the guys and what stage they're in, because that that's a whole thing. But you can see how understanding where somebody's at can kind of help you guide them to where they need to go next. So, you know, even if they're in the, uh, I need a man and want one in uh, the third stage there, it doesn't mean that they're really fully embracing what it means to be the feminine half of that, that relationship. And so, but if they come there, if they're, if they're already in that stage, that third stage, like they're already in a great place and it's like, okay, great. A few little tweaks here and there, and you could have literally the relationship of your dreams. And honestly, if you're in the fourth stage, if you're a woman and you're like, I want a man, I need a man, and I totally relaxed in my feminine essence and caring for him and like really being the feminine pole in that relationship, you're probably not coming to see me because things are working for you. Your man might be coming to see me because maybe he's not fulfilling his half, in which case you probably told him, hey, look, you need to work on your stuff or I'm not going to be sticking around all that much longer. 
Um, but yeah, if a woman is in that fourth stage of mind, then likely uh, she's, she's not seeking help because she probably has an amazing, spectacular relationship that really fulfills her and makes her happy. All right, let's move on then to the men. So first stage here for the men. The, I call it the I want to play the field stage or the party boy, frat boy stage, right? So you see this a lot where it's just like they want to juggle as many women as they can. They got one over here, one over there. They don't tell each other. Uh, they don't tell anybody about the other ones. And it's just like all about getting their needs met. What are their needs? Their needs are to get laid, have ejaculations, conquer women, whatever it is, play the field, play around. Um and, you know, remember, these are psychological stages, and while they are loosely tied to certain age ranges where we can say that at a certain age range, you're likely in this stage of development, that is not always true. I know adults in their 50s who are still in the party boy, frat boy, I want to play the field stage and have just never grown up, never evolved, never matured past that. It can happen for sure. And ladies, I know you have seen these men. They are all over the dating sites. And the signs are pretty obvious. But we would equate that to the imperial mind, kind of what we were talking about with the women in that first stage, which was uh, more related to the imperial mind, which is getting your own needs met. It's just all about getting your own needs met. And you're only following the rules as far as you have to because they will benefit you, right? So that's a, a, a pretty early stage that I would hope most people would move past pretty quickly. Okay, so what's the next stage? The next stage is the, I'm looking for a partner, but not willing to have real intimacy. You see this one all the time with guys. They say they want a partner. They're looking, they're dating. They're, they're not, there's a difference here between the I just want to play the field and bang as many women as I can. That's not where these second stage guys are. These second stage guys are like, look, I want, a, I want a, a girlfriend. Maybe they want more than one, but most likely they just want, they want a girlfriend. The problem is, though, they're almost incapable of having real, true intimacy in that relationship. And so they end up being the sort of those serial monogamists where... You know, they have one relationship that lasts for a little while, and then it falls apart, and then they have another one that lasts for a little while, falls apart, and then they have another one, and they just have this string of failed relationships. That's one of the things I talk about in my uh, ad for uh, the men's coaching that I do. One of the things is, is have you had a, a string of failed relationships? Well, one of the reasons for that is because you're not willing or able to go to the levels, the depths of intimacy that you need to go to in order to nurture a successful long-term relationship. And so this one relates uh, more to that socialized mind again, right? And just to, to review that, uh, this is where uh, the most important things idea, are ideas, norms, and beliefs, uh, uh, societal systems, you know, family, society, culture, ideology, that sort of stuff. Uh, and we care more about what other people think. So, you know, how does that factor? What, like, like, again, sometimes it might seem like it's a little hard to draw the connections here. But, but think about it is like, you, 
if you're in this stage and you're not willing to have deep intimacy, it's like, well, because she's going to think this or they're going to think that or my buddies are going to think I'm like this softy. And like, there's all this fear around allowing yourself to be vulnerable and connecting deeply in it at an, in an intimate way. So that's the, uh, the second stage of mine. <laughs> the third one is the ready to, ready to settle down, but not step into the role of masculine provider. So, okay, <laughs> this one's a little harder to see. The first two are really easy to pick out. You can spot those guys a mile away. This third one, though, is a little bit trickier to see because these are the people like, yeah, I'm ready to settle down. I want my one woman. I want to, you know, start a family. I want to do that. And so they look like they're really committed. They look like they're able to have that level of intimacy but there's a piece missing. And, and so what I wrote here was, but, but not step into the role of masculine provider. So what do I mean by that? Well, this is similar to like that place of everything's got to be 50-50 and I'm not here to really step up and lead, right? And this is a thing that's really important. We're, we're going to drop another tooth bomb here. <laughs> you... You see this, it's a pre, preemptive truth bomb. You, you see this a lot uh, in the guys that are doing work specifically around polarity. And they will say things like, you know, women want to be led, you know, and people read that stuff and they're like, ah, what kind of masculine bullshit is this, right? It's the way in which they say it that turns people off. But there is a reality to it that uh, does exist. So there, there is... There is a reality that women do want men to step up and be a strong leader. They don't want a dictator. That's the difference. They don't want somebody that's going to say, you have to do this and you have to do that. But they want a strong man that steps up and says, I have a plan and here's what I think we should do. And oh, by the way, what do you think about it? And if you don't like that, I'm willing to take in your feedback, incorporate that in and see if I can make a change and then come up with a new plan and say, okay, boom, you didn't like my first plan uh, and I heard you. Uh, I heard what your feedback was. I've taken that into consideration, and now I've got a new plan. Women want a man to step up and do that. They absolutely do. And if, they are, if they're really honest, they will tell you that. They may not be aware of that, and, or they may not want to admit that if they were in one of their earlier stages themselves, but it is true. And so I see this, it's like epidemic levels at this point of men who are not stepping up and do that. They're the, uh, you know, when, when their partner says to them, hey, let's go out to eat, and, and he says, okay, or she says, where do you want to go? And he goes, wherever you want. Or it's, hey, it's the weekend, what do you want to do? Whatever you want to do, right? It's just not stepping up, not taking charge, not being like, okay, I'm going to be the man in this family. I'm going to be protector. I'm going to be leader, right? Not dictator, right? Not not king in a sense of dictator type king but yeah they're just they're not they're not stepping up and fulfilling that role and it's hard to see because they are the man of the household or they might even be a father and raising kids and they might be even making the majority of the money but the way they show up the way they act when they get into that relationship um, or or as they're going through that relationship um, they're not really stepping strongly into that role of masculine 
what I call masculine provider. It doesn't necessarily have to mean they make all the money, but they're providing that role of the strong masculine pole in the relationship. So that's, that's what I call the, uh, the fourth stage, the ready to settle down but not step into the role of masculine provider. And then that takes us to the last one, which is he is ready for his queen and steps into the role of masculine provider. So this is where he kind of he looks like the guy from the stage three, but takes it that step further and, and really steps into that role. And this is where women get to really go, oh, he's got this. He's got me. I can trust him. I know that his judgment is good, his decisions are good, that he will always take my feelings and my needs into account before he acts, but I also know that he won't wait to act. If something needs to happen and needs to be done, he will do it, and he will do it for the best interest of the relationship and the kingdom that the two of you are building together. This is, this is really... This is the ultimate. This is what all women are seeking. It really is. And you, you'll hear the term, I'm looking for my king used. This is what they mean. This is what they're looking for. They're looking for this man. He knows who he is. He's confident. He's a good protector. He's a good provider. He has a plan. It doesn't mean he's rich. It doesn't mean, you know, he's got everything figured out but it means he's got direction and drive and he's stepping into that role. And yeah, he might make some mistakes, but he's going to recognize those mistakes and he's going to adjust and he's going to keep trying. So yeah, that's, and I, I forgot to mention in the stage three there, that's more the this, this sort of self-authoring mind. And then when we get to um, this stage here, we're talking about more of the interconnected mind. So you can see how those, those different levels roughly equate. And I, I forgot to mention also, when I was talking about the women and the men, I made a note here, but I didn't actually say it. So we talked a little bit uh, in the beginning of the show about um, the uh, stages, um, the psychosocial development stages of Eric Erickson. And I said we were going to talk about stages six and seven. Right, And so, remember, just a quick review, stage six, uh, major conflict at this stage of life centers around forming intimate, loving relationships with other people. So it's, you're learning how to develop those strong relationships. And seven, uh, this is where you strive to create or nurture things, right? And so if we go back to the women's and men's stages I was just talking about, that stage three for the women, the I uh, need a man, but not for, uh, I want and need a man, but not for uh, financial support. We said that was uh, similar to the self-authoring mind, but it's also like stage six in in uh, Erickson's stuff. And then the I want a man, need a man, and want to take care of my man is is more I would say a stage seven. It's where you want to nurture things that are bigger than just yourself, and that would be the relationship itself. This third entity that's created that's the relationship. And uh, for the men, the ready to settle down but not step into the role of masculine provider is a little bit more of that stage six. And then that last stage, uh, which is the ready for his queen and steps into the role, is kind of more of that stage uh, seven, according to uh, Erickson. Right? So you can see how these really kind of map out nicely 
uh, along with kind of, you know, what I call sort of my stage. It's just, just observations is all they are from working with people and talking with people in my own life and seeing how uh, that fits with the, you know, how we have sort of mapped out how most people generally evolve through life. So if I look at myself at, through the lens of my four stages, the I want to play the field, party boy, frat boy. Um, yeah, I mean, for sure. When I was in high school and college, I just wanted to date a lot of women. Now, the reality is, is for the most part, I always just had one girlfriend because I wanted more. <laughs> I would have had more, most likely. Um, but that was, that was you know, the opportunities and, and, and what I had available to me. But I, I can remember just, yeah, wanting to hook up with as many women as I could. And that's, you know, we're, we got testosterone just, you know, coursing through our veins at ridiculous levels at that age. We have little to no experience and we want to get experience and we want to just do whatever it takes to get that experience. And, and we haven't developed enough to know that there are problems with that, that, that method, that way of being. So I can remember being there. Um, let's see, looking for a partner, but not willing to have real intimacy. Um, yeah, I can definitely remember in my 20s struggling to really share things with my partners. I can remember having a really, this goes, I mean, way back, but I can remember having a relationship in, I don't know, it was my late teens, early 20s, where, you know, the, the girl I was in a relationship with at the time was just asking me some basic questions about my previous sex life. And like, I didn't want to open up and tell her about it because I was embarrassed by it, you know? And so I just, I couldn't go to that level of intimacy. And looking back on it as, you know, as an adult, I go, wow, did that ever self-sabotage the relationship? Why? Because she couldn't trust me. She couldn't trust me because she knew I was holding back on her, right? She knew I wasn't telling her all the truth, right? Now, in her mind, because of where she was at at that time, she's thinking, of course, that I'm holding back because there's all these terrible things I've done that if I told her about, you know, she wouldn't love me anymore or want to be with me. And the complete opposite was true. I was young. I didn't have a lot of experience. I didn't want to admit that. I wanted to look like I had enough experience and I knew what I was doing and I had it all figured out. And I didn't. Of course I didn't. I was too fucking young. But I can clearly remember that. And, and that was not the only relationship, you know. I struggled for years to really be able to open up and really be my authentic self with my partner. And everybody does, I think. It, it's, you, it, we, we just weren't taught it, you know, as kids. And, and the only way to learn it is to do it. And it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Um, ready to settle down, but not step into the role of masculine provider. Oh, yeah, this one, of course, I remember this one better because it's much more closer to, you know, my current age. But yeah, I remember having relationships in my thirties where I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, we can live together and, you know, but everything is a hundred percent equal and I'm not trying to, you know, lead or step up or be this or that. And everything is, a, you know, I can clearly remember that. And it worked to some extent until it didn't work. And then you didn't, I didn't understand why it didn't work and, and all of that. And so, you know, now then we've got the next stage, which is, is ready for his queen and steps into the role of masculine provider. And, you know, I'm not trying to say like, I am so advanced and this and that, but I can tell you, and it probably, if you've been a long time listener of the show, you can probably see it, but that's where Selena and I were. 
And that's who I was for her. And you, you may be able to see it in the way that we interacted, in the, in the way that she spoke about me or the way that I spoke about her. But yeah, I finally made it to that stage with her. Um, and it's, it's glorious. It's beautiful. That's where you really hit the depth and the magic that relationships can be, at least from a masculine point of view, right? So if you can show up to your relationship in that space, that's when you're really going to see magic happen in your relationship. And same thing for a woman, if she can really get to her last stage too. And if both of you are in, in those final stages, final stage of whatever, there's probably more stages after that. That's just as far as I've gone so far. So that's as far as I can tell you about. It does seem to map out pretty well with the, develop, the stages of psychological development from some of the experts too. And they didn't really have any stages other than like you're getting close to death and you're looking back at your life and deciding whether or not it was, it was a good life. But um, yeah, if, if, if both of you have reached those stages and those levels, and Celine did, she absolutely was there. And that's, that's kind of how I was able to really see the, the stages of the feminine. Like, you know, if we built this show together, her and I, she probably would have used different terms, but I know that she would have agreed with the overall flow of that um, because she'd been through it. She'd absolutely been through it. And she had made it to that place where she was like, I want you, I need you, and I want to nurture you, and I want to be the essence of what it means to be truly feminine and show up in a relationship as that feminine in all the glory that it brings. So, yeah, if you can come together uh, in that way where she and you... uh, are both in that space, or he and you are both in that space, that's where the magic really happens. So uh, again, just to reiterate from the beginning of the show, understanding where you're at is the key. And if you know where you're at, and you know where you want to go, then you can start to form a plan for how to get there, what it takes to get through those other stages and get to where you want to go. So that can mean doing some deep personal work. That can mean reading, you know, self-help books. That can mean working together with your partner. That can mean hiring a coach, working with a psychologist. There's, there's tons of ways that you can get yourself to evolve through these stages and get to the place where you can have literally the, the relationship of your dreams. So figure out what it is that you need And you can do that by figuring out, by starting, by figuring out where you are at and where you would like to go. So there you go. I hope that was helpful. Look at that, an entire hour episode from one interaction on a social media post. That's a first. (laughs) All right, everybody. I hope that was helpful. I hope you learned something. I hope this makes you think a little bit about where you're at and where you would like to go. All right, that's all I have for you for this episode, and I will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.